Win a trip to the biggest football game of the year courtesy of Superbook Sports. Superbook will fly you and a friend to Las Vegas for February's championship game. They'll also give you two tickets to the game, plus a three-night hotel stay. All you have to do is place a $25 same-game parlay between now and January 7th, and you're automatically entered to win. So wager and win a super trip to Las Vegas courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's time for Colorado basketball. Single game tickets for the 2023-2024 season are on sale now. With women's basketball coming off a run to the Sweet 16 and men's basketball showcasing exciting new and returning faces. Witness the Buffs in action at the CU Event Center. Visit cubuffs.com slash tickets and join the sea of black and gold. Don't wait. Make your game day plans today. That's cubuffs.com slash tickets. Go Buffs! What's up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Okay, we got, uh, uh, I'm sorry about the delays here. I, I had a bunch of stuff come up this week, and uh, I really apologize. So uh, my, my initial plan was to do go back to doing about three, four a week, and that hasn't been the case lately. But however, there's a reason for that, and, and some of that is because I resumed contributing to Denver Stoves. Um, that has been my, uh, um, I decided to dip my toe back into the writing game, uh, writing about things that aren't, you know, you know, I, I went from, I went from doing no writing basically about sports to just kind of dipping my toe in at Denver Stiffs. Denver Stiffs is now a partner with, uh, Mile High Sports and it's run by Zach Mikash. Um, and uh, obviously Gordon Gross is there, Gage Bri Bri Bridgeford, Bri Bridgeford, I haven't met him. Um, and um, so occasionally I'll contribute a column. I already done two. Um, sometimes Andy will do a column. We're kind of uh, dipping our toe into it. I mean, obviously this is a um, this is one of those things that I I never anticipated going back into. Um, um, when I was done with Denver Stiffs, I was done, uh, even though I have a big fondness for it because I built the place with Andy and Nate, but, um, I kind of got the hankering to get some thoughts out in the printed word. So, uh, printed <laughs> as if you're getting the newspaper Denver Stiffs, that was actually, that would be pretty cool. 
Now I think about it. Maybe I should patent that idea. Don't tell anyone I said that. Before I get to the rest of that, I would like to talk to you about uh, ESPN Bet, which has partnered with uh, my friends at Mile High Sports um, and uh, Denver Stiffs. And um, the way this works is uh, this is a brand new thing. As you've probably seen it in the news, ESPN Bet is part of a uh, a new thing that ESPN is trying out, ESPN slash Disney. Um, and one of the few people, one of the few companies in Colorado that has uh, been chosen as a partner for ESPN Bet is uh, Mile High Sports and Denver Stiffs. And uh, this is, I actually have some friends uh, who have already taken advantage of this. Um, it is, uh, it is getting good reviews so far. Um, and I think it's worth t- checking out. Um, uh, here's the copy they have given me to read. ESPN Bet is now live in Colorado and we're proud to be one of the handful of partners chosen by ESPN for the launch, which means if you download the app and sign up using their promo code Lehigh, L-E-H-I-G-H, uh, I can say that. Uh, you're going to win, get $250 in bonus bets when you place your first bet, which is a pretty awesome thing. It's it's kind of you know remember when betting first got to Colorado, they were doing that sort of thing um, at DraftKings and others like FanDuel. Um, but this is pretty awesome. Uh, I would suggest, especially with the Nugget season going on, I really suggest you taking advantage of it. But you have to use the promo code Lehigh L E L E H I G H Lehigh. Um, and this is, this is something that is pretty cool. Like I said, uh, I have several friends who have now been taking advantage of this offer and they are really raving about it. As you all know, I myself don't gamble, but I do have a lot of friends that do, and they really speak very highly of this. So download the uh, app and use promo code ESPN bet app and use promo code Lehigh L E H I G H. And, uh, you'll get $250 in bonus bets when you place your first bet. So try them out. All right, so now that we're, we got that uh, got that done, um, this is uh, an interesting time for the Nuggets, and I and I kind of have a rundown of what I want to talk to talk about. You know, as you know, I do on this podcast, I split these things into two. First half, I'm going to kind of talk to you about Nikola Jokic not getting his handshakes from the Clippers and the Lakers, um, and I'm also going to talk to you about the Nuggets bench issues that people think has been solved by a Jalen Pickett. And I don't think that's correct, but anyway, we're going to get to that. So anyway, the first thing is like, uh, when the Nuggets beat the Clippers in game two of the uh, in season tournament to go nine and two on the regular season, the uh, Clippers did not shake his hand. Now there could be a lot of factors there. It was the sixth straight loss for the Clippers. They did shake the hand of Reggie Jackson, but Reggie Jackson was a uh, former Clipper. Obviously there's a tie there. Um, they have some issues there, and I don't necessarily think that is a Nikola Jokic thing, uh, as other people have maybe made it out to be. I think this is a product of frustration over losing six in a row, and they went all out. You could tell in that game, and the, the Clippers went all out to win it, and they were all, they did very well, particularly from quarters um, two to three into midway to the to the fourth qu- quarter. Um, they kind of were put the nuggets a little bit on their, their back footing without Jamal, um, and, um, lost by three points. You know, that was their most competitive loss, uh, since James Harden was traded there. So I don't think there's that. However, I do think there is a conversation that needs to be had with, uh, in regards to the NBA and Nikola Jokic. I've pointed this out before. Um, there is a, um, 
cultural thing with Nikola Jokic that uh, I think has been a bridge that uh, NBA players cannot cross. And you notice that they have a little more embracing of uh, Luka Doncic, who is from the same region. He's uh, Luka Doncic is a Serbian-Slovenian, and uh, uh, Nikola Jokic is obviously Serbian. Um, there's been Serbian players who've come through. Um, some of them have eased into an American culture more than Nikola Jokic has. Nikola Jokic is, as we all know, very much a part of it. He doesn't indulge in Serbia, in, in a, uh, NBA culture specifically. Um, doesn't market himself, doesn't make himself available for a lot of different things. He does have friends in the league. This isn't like the, he's, this isn't like the, the no homers club in this, that episode of the Simpsons. This is, this is more of a cultural thing. And a lot of the Jokic's lack of cult cultural assimilation into the NBA means that he is separate and apart from what everyone else does. And a really, it really has hit its crescendo with uh, the All-Star game last year going into the MVP debate, which Jokic chose to not participate in. That was very much a decision that was done by him. But the All-Star game, as Nikola Jokic has said over and over again, it's not for him. He doesn't understand why it's a game where no one competes, and uh, he doesn't understand the point of it. I get it. Um, so Jokic uh, was picked last by uh, last year, and... Um, Let's just say that I don't think that was a coincidence that he was pick last. And I think this was some uh, point proving and point making by various players in the league. Um, and also some of it has to do with Nikola Jokic just not caring for the All-Star game. So there's, there was a multitude of factors that went into that. The Nuggets in themselves don't really they, they put Jokic forward but it's hard to do that with someone who doesn't want to be part of it Jokic is very uneasy with the the Americanness of the NBA he's a great basketball player he is a he is a different sort of NBA player he's a brilliant basketball player he is very much on the outside of the NBA by choice he just doesn't understand and accept certain aspects of American culture. And, and I understand that. And especially as someone coming from Serbia and where you're not all used to the trappings of this, I get it. It's just, you're not, you're not in this thing. You don't have, um, this part of your life. You don't grow up with it. You aren't part of the omnipresence of it. He grew up in war-torn Serbia and, um, or Yugoslavia, as it was known at that time. And, you know, it's, it is a, a something that is completely different. And it is hard, and he doesn't assimilate into American culture. Luka Doncic has, very much so. And you can see how much more he is accepted. Even though he's still on the outside, you can see how much more Luka is accepted into NBA culture. Um, and it's, a, it's very much an American thing. And I think that is why Jokic gets the brunt of a lot of different things because he just isn't part of the cliques. He isn't part of the NBA-ness of it. He, does, he chooses not to. He doesn't market himself, any of that. So, so the, the byproduct of that is that he just doesn't get, he doesn't get the dapping that others do. He just is the guy in here on the outside, which is his choice, and he's perfectly fine with it. So you know what? I'm fine with it. You won't see me complaining about people not shaking hands you just won't 
It, it doesn't, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. And as long as Jokic keeps kicking their ass, who cares, right? <laughs> um, so uh, on to the topic number two, I, I, I kind of wanted to talk about the Nuggets bench played a, a bit better uh, against the Clippers. Some of that is uh, the Clippers are shorthanded on the bench. There's no Mason Plumlee. Um, and some of it was they did play a little better. Jalen Pickett was in there at point guard instead of Colin Gillespie. I don't necessarily think that was the deciding factor, to be honest with you, because the bench still struggled. Um, it is going to be a thing all year. Um, you know, the Nuggets made this decision, and I wrote an article about this, my second article on Denver Stiffs about this. The Nuggets made a decision to flatten their own curve. And a lot of that was to, um, rather than signing vet minimums, they chose to go all in on first and second year players. And uh, Zeke Naji, who has barely played in four years. And that is a decision they made deliberately. Obviously, the injury to Jamal has affected things a bit. Um Jamal, as as George Carl used to tell uh, Andy, Nate, and I when we would have breakfast with him back in early 2010s, it, it, when injuries happen, it's less about you're your replacing a player, and it's more about what it does to your lineups and the things that you have to adjust, because you have to take away from one area and add it to another. Moving Reggie Jackson, who is, you know, is who he is. I mean, the bench would definitely be better if he was out there. I don't necessarily know how much. There's still a lot of youth out there. But you could stagger in Jamal. And obviously, that is the lineup shuffling that the Nuggets came into the season anticipating they would be doing. Jamal with his hamstring injury, and hopefully Jamal will be back soon. Um, With his hamstring injury, what that has done is kind of put this into... Uh, the young guys having to be having having to play more, and they were always going already going to play a lot. Julian Strother and and uh, uh, who else? Uh, and uh, you know, obviously Christian Brown and Zeke Naji were already penciled into the lineup. Well, now you've got uh, all these young guys coming through, and it's and now you have Julian Pickett out there. As I said in my article, even old rookies are still rookies. <laughs> There's been an there's been an attempt by the Nuggets to circumvent that and really put pitch that these are not your average ordinary rookies, that these guys are special, that they're older, and therefore they're up for the NBA rigors. It, rookies are still rookies. The NBA is a lot. You don't play the same way in college. A coach has a tremendous amount of control in college, and um, you don't play eighty two games, and it's just it's not the same. You can't do the comparison. So. My point in the article was that this Nuggets team is going knew this going forward. They told us from the offseason what they were going to do. If you've been listening to CSG through the summer, I have been telling you the Nuggets have said over and over, repeating wasn't necessarily part of their plan. They have they have decided to go all in on youth. I don't necessarily agree with that. I have said this. You don't need to hear me say that again. I don't necessarily agree with that. I'm old school. I want the Nuggets to compete at all times. I do not. I think that you are doing a disservice to the game to not to not give it your all every year. And the Nuggets kind of come into this with their own statement saying that maybe that wasn't the 100% plan. And that is where I got the problem because they've they've done this knowing that they're going to have to get rookies up to speed 
And then hopefully next year, near year after, they'll be ready to compete. And that's this is a thing. Obviously, this is assuming that you know Cole Jokic either A doesn't get injured and B is going to be here for um a Tim Duncan-esque twenty years. I don't think there's any guarantee of either of those two things. I don't want to be sitting here kicking ourselves because the Nuggets kick the can down the road or anything like that. That's no disrespect to the rookies. It is just it's it is what it is. Uh, you, when you employ rookies and second year players, uh, in, in such a large percentage as the Nuggets have, it's, it flattens your curve. It d- diminishes your peak. The Nuggets are going to be asking a ton of Nicole Jokic right now with Jamal out a ton. And it, and it's, and it's hard to do that. It is hard to, um, consistently invest in that and have it have the consistent results that you want. And I think that sort of thing is uh, risk. That's my personal opinion. There are plenty of people, including the people in the Denver media, who disagree with me on this. So I'm the outlier, but I'm going to take the bullets for this. And if people, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I'll be happily that way. All right, before I get to the second half of the podcast, I want to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th, and Blake and Wazie in beautiful Lower Downtown, Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. Uh, I was just there earlier, just uh, got a glass of wine, um, uh, what was it, a couple days ago, uh, before I went to a dinner. It was great. I had some of the Cabernet. Cabernet is great. Uh, I'm a red wine person, so obviously reds are up my alley, but they've got a great selection of whites that people rave about, particularly the Rieslings, which are in partnerships with Western Slope Wineries, which is really the grape of Western Slope of Colorado. If you want like that sweet uh, kind of dessert winey thing, that is very good. Rieslings are very, very, very good, and, and Western Colorado has some of the best. But I prefer that they can get. You can get a bottle of Pinot. You can get uh, Malbec and Merlot. Anything you want if you're into reds, or they got rosés. Uh, they also got locations in Fort Collins and Golden, uh, which is a private tasting room one. But you can make appointments for that. And they've got a location, the original location in uh, Sonoma County, California. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. All right. Um, Kobe Bryant and uh, Shaquille O'Neal um, were a interesting part of the dynamic of the late nineties into the early two thousands, you know, their partnership went from, went from 1996 to 2004, uh, secret base, which is the only good part of SB nation anymore. Um, obviously everyone knows my thoughts about, about SB nation. Um, did a great series on the Kobe Shaq relationship uh, narrated by uh, posting and toasting's uh, Seth Rosenthal. Uh, well, I guess he's not at posting and toasting anymore, is he? I don't know. I don't, I don't read SB Nation. Um, so they did this great three-part series, and I suggest everyone check it out. It's, it's this really good series on the Kobe Shaq relationship and how it was about basketball, not about personal stuff, all that stuff. Um, and you, I, I, what I want to narrow focus in on, we're not going to spoil the whole three-part series. And quite frankly, at this point, if we don't know the 
Kobe Shaq dynamic by now, then I mean, people have been living under rocks. Uh, these two and their relationship is stuff of legend. And that stuff is uh, something that you you could uh, write several books on. And there have been several books written, including, I think, two by Phil Jackson. Uh, Shaq wrote a book on it. Kobe, I think, I think had a, uh, a several articles that he was a part of uh, during the whole thing. There's reams of information about it. So you, there's nothing that you can really spit spoiled on. But there's one th aspect of Kobe Bryant that I really want to focus in on. Kobe is a month was a month younger than me. Uh, he was born in August of 1978. And one of the interesting parts, and, I, and anyone who's listened to my second podcast, The Gen X Show, knows this. Um, if you're born from 1975 to 1980, um, you are the most Gen X of all the Gen Xers. We got all the nihilism. We got all the individuality. We got all of that. We, we were the ultimate ultimate cynicism of the Gen X generation. Our, it shaped the music that we listened to. It shaped the sports that we watched. Um, it shaped a lot of what became uh, mid-90s culture, basically. Kobe, um, I, you know, there, there's things I knew about him that I chose not to focus on. And one thing in the video series that they really focus in on is how individualistic Kobe was right Kobe Bryant who by the way still to this day never appealed to me as a player uh he I thought he was a chucker um I couldn't I mean this is long before Nikola Jokic came around and the concept of team basketball uh was something that was in vogue uh, even in the isolation era, which was the early 2000s, he, he still was an expert chucker, is what he was. And he would have these great games. Um, and then it, it reached its crescendo with him in 2005, 2006, when he scored that 81 points. Um, Kobe Bryant never appealed to me as a basketball player. He just, I couldn't, I, in, I vividly remember in 2004, um, and they go into this in the, uh, in the, in the three-part series is how basically Kobe deliberately shot the Lakers out of that series. I, I, in my, you know, the Lakers lost in five games in 2004. If Kobe was in a share of the ball mood, I'm not necessarily, I mean, I don't know if the Lakers would have won, but I think it, the game they would have gone at least six or seven games. Kobe, especially in game four, he shot, I think it was eight for 25 and he just completely was, he was, especially in the second half, he was bricking shot after shot after shot. Meanwhile, Shaq could not miss and had 36 points, right? As someone who grew up in the 90s, I always preferred Shaq more, to be honest with you. Shaq, Shaq was a phenomenon, particularly through 92 to 2002, right? That was the Shaq era, basically. I mean, there was this era of centers in the NBA. Um, and... Shaq was an outsized personality. He was doing movies, rap videos, uh, appearing in Master P videos and stuff like that. That was just, you know, that was Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal was a big personality who liked the show. Kobe Bryant very much wasn't. But the thing, this is the contradiction here. I, the more I watched that documentary, the more I saw Kobe Bryant in me, or me in Kobe Bryant my individualism, my 
go your own way thing, which is very much ingrained in my personality. You will not. One of the reasons, this is the funniest thing, folks. And it's ironic considering I'm back at Denver Stiffs now and on a, on a, on a, you know, limited basis. Um, when Andy, Nate and I were running it, Andy and Andy and I were very much Gen Xers and, um, uh, Nate Timmons was a elder millennial and, and Nate's of the three of us, Nate's the one who really tried to make Denver Stiffs into a legit, uh, media outlet because, and, you know, Nate is one of the best people on the planet. Nate's just, if you hear him on this podcast, he's just the good dude. You, what you hear there is genuinely a good dude. You know, not that Nate, Andy and I aren't, but Andy and I are also very cynical and also extremely individualistic. And part of the, the conundrum we faced at Denver Stiffs was particularly me. It was always me. And I'm looking back on this, I kind of like, I don't have regret, but I, I, I kind of like kick myself for being so uh, obstinate about this stuff. But SB Nation would ask us to do a lot. They would ask us to get up our posts. They would ask us to do certain things. And I, I already can, had guilt from contributing to my, my father works at the freaking worked at the Rocky mountain news for 35 years. And I was contributing to destroying what he did for a living. That, that was already there, but there's also the, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to write about what I want to write about. I don't care about this other BS. Um, I don't care about like these individual posts that have nothing to do with anything that has nothing to do with anything creative. I'm going to do me. And I'm watching this documentary on Kobe and it like, oh my God, this guy is me. And I don't like Kobe. And I didn't like Kobe. Still don't like watching him play. It's like, am I just, am I just self-loathing here? <laughs> these are the thoughts I had. I am not working this out on the podcast, by the way, but these are the thoughts that I had. And it's interesting to think about how someone who was so popular with millennials and particularly millennials, and Kobe Bryant is someone something that I just could not stand watching. Um, and maybe I just was reflecting myself in that. I, I there are aspects of obviously per, pretty much clearly to that. There are, there are aspects of my personality that apparently I didn't enjoy. But uh, it was interesting watching this 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 series that Secret Base put out and how how it was reflective of several stances that I had taken. You know, in the one of the weirdest things was my I could not, especially during our time uh, with Denver Stiffs, I could not understand why people didn't get what I was doing. I couldn't understand why people didn't understand what I cared about and didn't care about what I cared about, which was something that is stupid because in, in not, not, in not everyone's a monolith. But in my individualism, I would get some blowbacks like, why are you always writing about Nuggets history? Why are you? Why are you focused on on stuff that doesn't matter? Why aren't you writing about why Brian Shaw is a terrible coach, or why aren't you writing about, um, you know, something with George Carl's Nuggets or something like that? And I, I just and why aren't you posting an aggregate aggregation article about some bullshit that happened in Denver? I wouldn't do that because I hated it, and so did Andy. Um, we were very creative. We wanted to be blaze our own trail. And I hope what a lot of you people who came through Denver Stiffs while we were uh, leading it up and writing all these articles, I hope everyone appreciated what we did. Um, we were definitely trying to be 
different. We were trying to be our own thing. And so was Kobe. Kobe Bryant, come hell or high water, was going to do what Kobe wanted to do unless you shamed him. And then he did it reluctantly. And I'm like, God, that's me. That is Jeff Morton. <laughs> and it was weird to think about. It was really weird to just watch this documentary. And I'm, I'm, and the, the more, the, by the time I got to part three and they're talking about the 2004 NBA finals, I'm like, oh my God. It's like, I could never be fathom being a basketball player or being talented enough to ever be in the NBA. Like I'm five foot seven. Like I, there's just no way I, that was in the cards for me. But man, I get wanting to do your own thing so much. I mean, you get the, the kind of cynical nihilism that comes with that. I get it. I fundamentally understand that. The contradiction is I didn't like watching Kobe play. Didn't like it at all. I thought he, he just, I didn't like it. I thought this, his, his legend was largely driven by what he did post check. And particularly what he did between um, Shaquille O'Neal coming in and Pau Gasol coming in. I think that is where the Kobe legend really is. And uh, he's all, he was almost 30 then and doing a different, you know, it's like scoring 81 points and chucking the hell out of the ball. It was pure Kobe. And yeah, it's weird. Anyway. I wanted to talk about that. So, uh, anyway, thanks you all for joining me on the latest uh, Mortcast. Thank you all for indulging me in this little chat at the end here. Um, anyone who's listening to this, give me your own memories of, uh, or any, any player you saw like that who reflected you as much as Kobe. I saw Kobe Bryant and me and me and Kobe Bryant. Um, and maybe that's just a Jeff thing. Who knows? All right. Thank you all for joining me in the latest Mortcast. I'll be back soon with another episode. Win a trip to the biggest football game of the year, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Superbook will fly you and a friend to Las Vegas for February's championship game. They'll also give you two tickets to the game, plus a three-night hotel stay. All you have to do is place a $25 same-game parlay between now and January 7th, and you're automatically entered to win. So wager and win a super trip to Las Vegas, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.